0: One minute, one second.
1: Ready to go, Brown?
2: Yeah, do you wanna let the participants join or should we start? They're still They're, they're coming in now. Okay, do you want me to start? Yeah.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's webinar, Heat Pump Water Heaters, Builders Share Their Experience. I'm Joe Wachunas. I'm a project manager at the nonprofit New Buildings Institute and a passionate volunteer at Electrify Now, here with my usual partner in crime, Brian Stewart, the founder of Electrify Now. Um, And we are so excited because today's webinar is being hosted by three organizations, Electrify Now, the Advanced Water Heating Initiative, and EBA. And we've got Aaron Smith, the CEO of EBA, and Nancy Bakeman as well uh, from EBA. So we're going to hear a little bit Uh, to start us off about each of these uh, three organizations, then we'll dive into our amazing panelists today. So, Nancy, go ahead and take us away and and tell us a little bit about EBA.
3: Thanks, Joe. Uh, EBA's been around for 40 years. This is our 40th year. Um, It was founded in 1982 as a nonprofit focused on education and uh, mostly building science education. We've grown to a community of about 70,000 members across uh, North America and beyond, and um, we, as I said, we've always been focused on building science, but now we're moving towards uh, healthy, electric, resilient, decarbonized net zero homes. And we're excited to be part of this uh, group today to, to talk about heat pump water heaters.
1: Fantastic, thank you. Great, and then the uh, other organization uh, which I represent today is the Advanced Water Heating Initiative. Uh, this is an initiative that exists To promote and accelerate the deployment of heat pump water heaters. And uh, I think we're all pretty interested in this technology since uh, we're on this webinar today. Um, The advanced water heating initiative sees this game-changing opportunity of heat pump water heater technology because they use 25 percent of the energy of old uh, electric resistance and gas water heaters. And so we have this moonshot goal at the initiative to get to 100 percent Uh, water heater market share by 2030. We're in the single digits right now, but we need big ideas and big moves given the the state of the climate crisis. So um, I'll go to the next slide. We've assembled a group of over 400 organizations uh, across the country from uh, governmental organizations like the DOE and EPA to uh, utilities, uh, nonprofits, manufacturers, everyone, uh, all these partners working together to uh, promote heat pump water heater technology Uh, and today is a webinar uh, example of that. So please, um, uh, it's nonprofit run and uh, all of our meetings are free to join. We have working group, task groups, go to advancedwaterheatinginitiative.org. I'll put in a chat, uh, a link in the chat. Um, And then I want a special shout out to any builders on today's webinar. We are uh, forming a Builder Action Council uh, as a spinoff of today's webinar with EBA and uh, Energy Star. And we want to hear from builders, connect with builders, um and hear about how you're uh deploying heat pump water heaters and we're gonna hear uh, about from some builders leading uh the charge today um but we're doing a home builder round table with heat pump water heater manufacturers on august 18th um i'll put an email address to uh, info at advancedwaterheatinginitiative.org to get more information on that we want to connect with you so please connect with us okay brian tell us about uh electrify now
2: Thanks, Joe. Yeah, Joe and I both work with Electrify Now. We're basically an education-focused volunteer organization, really trying to help people understand the really amazing options we have in terms of our energy choices, which not only reduce our carbon emissions, our personal carbon emissions, but also help transition the world to uh, a clean energy system. And so we try to make it simple for people by breaking it down to these three steps. And there's tons of information on our website about how to do this to get clean energy into your home then electrify your home by basically getting rid of anything you have that burns fossil fuels. We're going to be talking about one of the big ones today, water heaters, and then electrify your transportation. And then it's also important that we remember that some people may struggle with this transition and we can't leave anyone behind. So we uh, really want to urge people to remember about policy and philanthropy that helps to electrify everyone. Um, and by doing these actions, you can save or avoid a ton of twenty over 20 tons easily for a typical household and also enjoy a safer and and lower cost uh, uh, um, household. Um, We're part of, we've started this Electrify Coalition, which is a group of over almost 50 organizations now, primarily in the Northwest, focused on uh, electrification, promoting electrification. If you're interested in joining us, let us know, send us an email. It's uh, no cost to join, but all of us help create some of the content that you'll see in our webinars, but also help promote electrification. And then I want to thank all those of you who may have contributed. We got some really good contributions. We ask people if they're so inclined to donate to the uh, Electrify Everyone Fund, which we have set up in partnership with Community Energy Project here in Portland. This is an amazing program that uh, removes old gas water heaters in low income homes and replaces them with free heat pump water heaters that saves these families hundreds of dollars per year on their utility bills and avoids over 25 tons of carbon for each water heater we've installed and we've put in over 50 of them so far and hope to really accelerate this program going forward. So thank you for your contributions. Alright, so let's um, enough for the intro. Why are we talking about heat pump water heaters? Let's start really big picture. I think most people get the idea that your car creates carbon emissions. You can see it, you smell the gas, you see the smoke coming out of the back of your car, but most people do not realize that our homes, they're heated with uh, natural gas produce more emissions than a car does it. and the gas comes from a lot of the same places you just don't see it it's piped in and the the flames are in your basement maybe and the the smoke is coming out of the chimney you don't really see it so it's harder to understand and appreciate that those carbon emissions are happening the two biggest culprits so to speak or the ones the, the things that generate the most emissions in most people's lives are your gas furnace about the same as a car and your gas water heater which is surprisingly high emissions given, you know, how small these devices are. So that's why we're going to be homing in today on, on water heaters. And the solution for uh, this, whether you have a gas water heater or even an electric resistance water heater, is to switch to um, high efficiency heat pumps because they're literally three to five times more energy efficient. They look a lot like regular water heaters. We'll hear a lot more about this, this today. but they operate but because they have this heat pump on top of them that utilizes the um, energy from the space around them to transfer heat into the water at an insanely efficient uh, uh, way. So that's why we're interested in um, heat pump water heaters and Joe, tell us about what we're going to be covering today.
1: Yeah. So, you know, uh, we're all fans of heat pump water heaters, but at the advanced water heating initiative, you know, we, we've surveyed uh, uh, folks and stakeholders from across the country and folks feel like the lowest hanging fruit is to put heat pump water heaters in new construction. So that's what we'll be talking about with our builders uh, today. Um, because you're building a new home and you can design it around a heat pump water heater and easily install this installation. It's just easier to do than retrofit. So let's start here and make all new construction include heat pump water heaters. But uh, So we're going to hear from our our panelists today on why builders are excited about heat pump water heaters and why you should be too. Um, What are some of the challenges and roadblocks for uh, um, installing heat pump water heaters and how do we overcome them? Um, are builders modifying their home to take advantage of the heat pump water heaters? We'll hear about that. Exciting. Um, and what are homeowners saying and uh, any guidelines that can be applied to new or existing homes? So maybe you're not building a new home, but it, what, what can you do um, with this information about heat pump water heaters um, and um, any way to communicate the benefits? Most people don't think about their water heaters, but uh, we're all pretty excited about these. So how do we communicate about them? Uh, so let's, uh, let's go and introduce our panelists. We have a, a rock star, all-star panelists today. We're gonna to start with Jeff Wicks, who's a senior product manager at NIA. Jeff uh, works closely with utilities and trade allies to help identify and pro- prove out innovative energy efficient technologies to transform markets. Um, he currently supports heat pump water heaters, connected water heaters, and actively scans on other motor-driven products and water heating technologies. I work with Jeff all the time. He is an amazingly intelligent person. So he'll, he'll kick us off with a study on uh, just how much uh, air space do we need uh, to um, heat water for a heat pump water heater. Uh, then we'll move on to uh, uh, two folks from Ichijo. We got Amy Tovell and Masaki Narita. Uh, Amy has been working with Ichijo for more than 10 years in marketing and land acquisition. She brings awareness of Ichijo's unique building features to the public through marketing, their energy efficient building practices, cool in-house contemporary designs, as well as unique uh, proprietary products. And then we hear from Masaki, who has been working with Ichijo for over 28 years and transferred to Portland from Sapporo in Japan in 2016 to oversee operations in Oregon. Um, Designing homes in the Northwest is both challenging and enjoyable to Masaki. So after hearing from uh, Ichijo, then we'll uh, pivot over to the Southeast with Leah Dickens uh, from the Greenbelt Alliance. Leah, um works as the Green uh, Building Program Manager for Greenbelt Alliance, uh, North Carolina's nonprofit for advancing sustainability in the built environment. She manages their Greenbelt Home Certification Program and previously worked uh, for Dell Tech Homes as their Green Building and Building Science Manager. And then we'll close it off uh, with uh, Juan Fernandez, the founder and CEO of CVF Homes, Juan uh, founded CVS Homes in 2005, focusing on infill development and building energy and water uh, efficient homes with great design. CVS Homes is committed, committed to certifying 100% of its homes as uh, DOE uh, Zero Energy Certified Homes. Um, and Juan will be talking about his experiences uh, installing heat pump water heaters. So that'll give us about 20 minutes for Q&A. Go ahead and put your q and some folks are already doing that in the chat um, and uh, leave your comments in the, uh, excuse me, Q&A in the Q&A button, comments in the chat. And, uh, let's turn it over to Jeff to, uh, uh, get things started.
4: Great. Thank you, Joe. And this is, uh, this is going to be a, a whirlwind tour through all this. So what Jeff, I want to do. We don't
2: see your camera is not on Jeff. Sorry. We're not okay.
4: seeing. Okay. Wow. that is a problem. I thought we had it on. We see your slides, but, um... there we go. Thanks. Thanks. So, um, I'm Jeff Wicks. I work for NIA, the Northwest Energy Efficiency Alliance. We're mostly focused here in the Northwest. But for those builders who are familiar, check out that medallion there that I'm pointing to on my front porch. I live in an all electric home, everything in it is heat pump, and we are net positive on our generation with our solar system, solar arrays. We're gonna talk about heat pump water heaters and some of the challenges, but I wanna first go over a couple of things. Where can they be installed? What are the best locations? And if you have less than optimal space, what are some of the strategies for doing this? And why should you include heat pump water heaters in new construction? So briefly go over garage conditioned and semi-conditioned spaces, ideal location. If you have a water heater in a garage right now, it is not freezing and you will provide uh, additional cooling in that garage and or desiccation because of uh, the, the nature of heat pump water heaters and you're just transferring uh, heat from that garage, either from a car or from just the general space. Basements and crawl spaces, conditioned and non-conditioned, no-brainer. Easily done there. Utility rooms with more than 700 cubic feet. As you can see, that's not a huge utility room, but it's substantial. And or if it's a utility room that has is open to other parts of the house. Mechanical rooms with plenty of volume or excess heat off of a furnace or a, a heat whole house heat pump. Any attics that uh, are above freezing and below 120 degrees would be a, a, a perfect location. Some of our friends in the Southeast and in Texas put water heaters in the attic in the Northwest. We don't do that, but that's a viable option. Hallways closest, uh, hallway closets that are have good ventilation but are not directly near a thermostat location. Location matters because you don't wanna be blowing cold air out onto a thermostat and having the whole house do a call for heat. So what do heat pump water heaters need? Proper voltage. You'd need a a 240 240 volt, either 30 amp or 15 amp. So in new construction, that's an easy wire pole of a 10 gauge three, three conductor. Sufficient makeup air. This just needs to be enough air for the water heater to breathe. And that, we'll get in a little bit into that with a study we just finished. A solution for disposing of condensate. This is not toxic condensate. It's not like a gas furnace that produces basically sulfuric acid, and you have to treat that. This just produces uh, water, and it can be dumped into a standard drain or out into a garden. Then you need thermal uh, isolation so that uh, you can have access to lots of lots of. You don't want it to be in the outdoors unless it's a an environment. Then you need uh, sound isolation as well if you don't want it right next to a bedroom or an area where people are concentrating. And then you need to have a desire to save money for the resident and reduce their energy footprint. So those are what, what we need here. So the physical space um, uh, is, a, is a challenge. Makeup air. Discharging the cold air can be a problem and then condensate mass and noise, uh, so sep- noise separation is, can be a problem. So what did we do? We did some research. I'm not going to read this all to you, but it's called the Amazing Shrinking Room Study, where we put a water heater into a space. And I'll show you a couple images of it here shortly and compress that down to see how small can you go and what can be done once you have a small space. So this was done in a lab in Redmond, Washington. It's basically a thousand cubic feet. In the center picture, it looks like basically a container, and that pink wall moves back and forth, and you can compress that space. And we can see how they do. We verify and validated that all the tests that we've received and done do operate at 700 cubic feet or or less, and uh, that's part of our qualified products list. We then compress that space down to the far right-hand picture, which is a closet of about 84 cubic feet with a louver door. And then we did different permutations with that, with uh, sealing half the louver door or opening grills and that kind of thing. There's a couple more pictures. Here's a plan view of that study. So we we move this wall back and forth and we verify and validated performance. We also have full data logging equipment on this, both for the interior space, the water temperature, and the amount of energy that was used. This is a, a, a generally a volumetric test. We'll read all of this to you, but we see an inflection point at 700 cubic feet. So what the manufacturers have been saying about 700 cubic feet being the magic number, it's truly there. But I also want to point out in this lower bar here, an electric resistance water heater is about 0.9495% efficient. You're still doing a better job than electric resistance, even if you put it in a, a small closet and you basically suffocate it because it will automatically flip over onto an electric resistance. But this magic point of 700 cubic feet is where we want to have for volume uh, volume access. It doesn't have to be. It has to be fully open. You can do some grills and ducts. So this is, as we, as we showed you earlier, um, this is the closet. And these are the different experiments we did. You can see grills high and low and how this fan gets vented and directed. A lot of information in here, encourage you to look at our study to go through the details of it. This is just some other uh, solutions and fails. So we found that uh, ducting actually can be a great thing or it could be a real problem if you have insufficient duct uh, uh, options for it. In the next slide, you'll see all the different permutations that we looked at. So here you can see what the standard performance is, wide open. With more than a uh, thousand cubic feet, that it's right at 3.5, and now some of them are as high as 4.2, and then once you start uh, con- constraining that space, it starts getting tighter and tighter. But remember, standard electric is at 1.0. So you're even with all these other strategies of grills high, grills low, ducting in, ducting out, half of a louver door, a full louver door, where you point the fan. All those things will make a difference. So the next slide just shows all the different permutations. I would encourage you to look at the study once it uh, becomes published, but there's an hour and a half presentation if you really want to get into the weeds. But you can see that the net free area is what we're looking for. And it's somewhere around 24 to, 20, uh, to, to 36 inches is what you need for a net free area. So that's a pretty small grill that you could put on either a door or a wall. And then you want some vertical separation of those so that you get the thermocline inside the closet area. This is a couple examples, and I'm almost finished here, of where you could put them on interior spaces. These happen to be in multifamily, but you could put it in an exterior closet and vent in and out of there, because they do work as long as it, the temperature is above 37 degrees or you could put it into a hallway within a complex or you could put it in a hallway of a house. So the next slide is just how to how to get a hold of me. There's some specifications, some of the research, and there's a full YouTube if you really want to get into the weeds and I can send that to you. So my contact information is here and I'll turn it back over to Joe.
1: Perfect. Thanks so much, Jeff. Uh, he, he distilled a lot of great information into a short time, um, and and we'll uh, we'll get the study uh, the NIA, the latest NIA shrinking room study in the chat. It's it's just really amazing stuff. Um, I do want to say uh, put your questions for Jeff and our panelists in the Q and A. We do have a funny uh, little hiccup that happened when uh, you know three orgs coming together to um, to promote this event and. Uh, It looks like I shared my individual link uh, on the Eventbrite page for folks who signed up through Eventbrite. So you're getting a lot of questions from Joe Wachunis in the chat, uh, which is kind of humorous. You can change your name in the Zoom if if you'd like to uh, identify yourself. Um, But let's move to our next um, uh, panelists, um, Masaki and and Amy, go ahead and um, tell us about Ichijo and, and your building and work.
5: Yeah, going on our slides here. There we go. Um, Can we see anything? No.
4: There you go, yep. I can see some.
5: There we go. So uh, we got to back up here. Go back to the front. Okay. All right, so I'm Amy Tovell. I'm the marketing manager at um, Ichijo USA and been here for over 10 years now. And Masaki Narita is the VP of our Oregon uh, branch. And um, well, uh, who is Ichijo? Um, well, Ichijo, as you can uh, imagine is a Japanese company we're an award-winning Japanese uh, and American company uh, in in Japan. Ichijo builds over fifteen thousand homes a year, um, and these aren't spec homes; these are custom homes. So you can imagine that's quite a few homes every year. And we specialize there in and here in energy-efficient homes, and have won many awards, such as the uh, New Builder Award for. Um, EARTH ADVANTAGE IN OREGON MOST RECENTLY. WHY IS a SUSTAINABLE BUILDING IMPORTANT TO Ichijo? WE HAVE A DEEP DESIRE TO BUILD QUALITY, DURABLE HOMES. WE ALSO WANT THE HOMEOWNER TO SAVE MONEY. WE'RE ENVIRONMENTALLY CONSCIOUS AND IT'S GREAT FOR Joe's REPUTATION. WE HAVE... Um, such a large company in japan that we built a facility in the philippines uh, where we do uh, where we build many of the items that go into homes uh, including wall panels in-floor radiant heating solar panels cabinetry windows interior doors and more and some of that is shipped over here to uh, the united states we also do a lot of quality control and research and development there Uh, In 2009, we expanded to the United States, um, and our first stop was um, the Seattle area. And our first uh, project was one that many of you probably have heard of, uh, Z-Home. This was the first uh, net zero energy townhome community in the nation, built by Ichijo, along with the support of many others. Um, And, The project earned many awards and has been proven to be beyond net zero with owners receiving checks of more than $1,000 annually from the electric utility. We also built an all solar uh, community in the same city, Issaquah. Um, Each home had solar panels on it and this was way back in 2015. And we uh, named it Sunridge to go with the all solar um, name and won a lot of rewards there as well. I would like to just discuss a little bit about our um, projects and we are all electric now at all of our communities beginning in 2020, so a couple years ago. We are in Washington and in Oregon now. Um, uh, We have three communities uh, in Oregon where we're building net zero energy ready homes. And first one being Reeds Crossing in Hillsboro. we have 94 lots. Uh, Pleasant Valley Villages in Happy Valley, we have 171 lots. Uh, and River Terrace Crossing is about to start with uh, 43 lots in Tigard. In Washington, uh, we've just completed, sold out of a community um, in Maple Valley, Momiji Grove, 39 lots. 10 trails in Black Diamond is a planned communities. We we have um, 84 lots we're building there. And Brookdale phase one in Tacoma, we are starting 32 lots now. All, um, and in Penny Lane in Redmond, some homes. Um, So today we have 141 homes equipped with um, our heat pump water heater, uh, along with all the electric systems. And I'm going to briefly describe those systems and go more in depth with the electric um, heat pump water heater. So in our homes, we are providing all electric Net Zero Energy Ready homes. And this includes uh, the induction range, um, which is safer, faster, um, more efficient, cleaner air, and cooler temps. Uh, The heat pump heating and cooling system with a 40% savings quieter um, and we have the bonus of including air conditioning which is very popular especially this time of year Uh, the electric fireplace um, with heat or without these are pretty cool nowadays Um, real more more contemporary designs um, so we haven't had any pushback from this one at all they're pretty cool and we also provide um, solar and EV charger ready um, the um, pre-wired for that in our homes. So the heat pump water heater um, that we're using uh, can get up to 70% potential savings um, based on the usage uh, of your hot water bill when compared to the standard electric water heater or tankless gas water heater. Um, It's a substantial step to the net zero goals for the carbon footprint of your home. And it's enough capacity to meet the needs of the normal water consumption. So we've had some feedback. We, we mostly get feedback on all electric systems, not just one in particular, but mostly cost savings. And, um, but the particular feedback we've had on the heat pump water heater is that very quiet. Uh, the 666 six, six gallon tank is sufficient capacity um that's what we're using in most of our communities and the utility bill is overall reduced um the installation uh we are installing these uh, exclusively in our garages um uh, because we need enough space enough clearance um and um we, this this just seems to work the best for us maybe masa can add a little bit more on onto this one. But um, yeah, we, we haven't had any issues installing it here and everybody seems to think it's a good location, so. So what's next? Um, uh, improve comfort and promote the heat pump water heater. Um, we are looking at including a home energy monitor, uh, solar panels and batteries uh demand response program and um, incentives for the new home buyers. And that's that.
1: Perfect. Uh, Masaki, is there anything you wanna to add to that before we, um, uh, and then there'll be also time in the Q&A. Uh,
6: yes, uh, hi, uh, I'm Masaki Narita. Uh, I'm very excited to have this opportunity today. And as uh, Amy mentioned, So uh, as a designer, uh, we always put uh, heat pump, uh, water heater in the garage. And uh, so, yeah, so in the garage, we have enough space and we have concrete slab that can support uh, either 66 or 80 gallon tank. Yes, and so for, for me, as a designer, uh, it's very <laughs> easy to design all electric homes, and and uh, also uh, as at dust, on the dust slide, Amy mentioned about some some ideas uh, that we think uh, it could help promote heat pump water heater model, and uh, so I think uh, think. Uh, Electric, uh, yeah, adjust last page, yeah. I think electric, uh, yeah, home energy monitors. <laughs> yeah, I think this home energy monitor uh, is kind of interesting uh, tools. So with this tool, people can learn yeah, how to save, the electricity usage so yeah so you can maybe make the best of the energy efficient appliances yes.
1: awesome. yeah thank you thank you Masaki that's great yeah absolutely the, the home energy managers are crucial a lot of times we have no idea yeah. how much energy our appliances are using and uh and yeah having an idea and, and seeing how much our heat pump water heaters are saving us is is, is, is crucial um, let's keep, let's move on, and then we'll also have plenty of time for the Q and A. So, uh, Leah, um, I think you're next up. Thanks so much uh, for being on, and go ahead and share your screen.
7: All right. So I'm going to take us on a on a different geographic tour here, from the northeast um, to the southeast, southeast, or sorry, the northwest down to the southeast, where uh, I have been working in this industry for the past a uh, little more than a decade. Next. So I, um, I'm i speaking to you. I work for the Greenbelt Alliance. I'm the manager of our Greenbelt Homes program. We're a nonprofit in Western North Carolina that does education, building science training for builders. and We run our own certification program. So that would be the Western most part of this great state of North Carolina, which is, I think, a great climate for heat pump water heaters. We're considered a mixed human climate, mostly zone four, but some zone five. Um, but it's also North Carolina and our region in particular, the Western part, has a really healthy market for all the things that Nancy mentioned that EBA is for. You know, that high performance, resilient, healthy, el- electrified home. We have a lot of customers who really want that. We have a really high participation in the country. As you can see, we're in 2017. This is data from 2017. North Carolina was third in the country for participation in hers the hers index and an in Energy Star. Um, we even here in Western Carolina, we have our whole, our own Green Built Homes program dedicated to green building. So it's kind of a cool um, thing. But the other challenge about our market is there's not a whole lot of natural gas availability. I mean, certainly inside a metro area you might be, but where I live, Asheville is the biggest city and it's not a particularly big city. So if you're building your home in the mountains, as many people are around here, you're not really going to have access to natural gas. Um, so as far as some of the competing technology, the heat pump water heater, like a tankless, that's really difficult to do if you don't have natural gas. Um, so you have this push for that reason as well for electric solutions to be very energy efficient. And the other thing about our market that has been, I think interesting is the um there's a, a really great rebate from the main utility that's specifically for um kilowatt hour savings. And it's not an consequential one. So just to summarize like the milieu and politics of North Carolina utility stuff into really fast, there's one main utility that serves both of the Carolinas, it's called Duke Energy. It has a couple of separate arms of itself. (laughs) Um, And it has, both of those arms now have a program that will give you either 90 cents or 75 cents depending on where you are in the state. Um, Per kilowatt hour of energy saved using, you know, a HERS score, a kind of verification program to builders um, up to a pretty high cap, up to 9,000 or 6,000, depending on where you are. And heat pump water heaters are one of many things that you can do in a new home to make it have kilowatt hour savings over, you know, a, a baseline new home. But it's also, heat pump water heater is probably one of the most effective things you can do to really up that rebate. And so I did an example here comparing how much extra rebate you might get for a heat pump water heater if you are a builder over a standard electric tank um, or even over a tankless gas or propane, which again is a common competing, um, I would say, luxury item that customers want for like a water heating upgrade. And so the, the rebate can sometimes more than pay for the cost difference. And I have seen builders in our market um, use this rebate as a way to get a customer on board with upgrading to a heat pump water heater. Hey, I'm going to get this rebate. Why don't you let us, why don't you just, you know, do the upgrade and we'll give you that rebate money back to help you, the homeowner, be satisfied with the difference. Some builders, of course, keep that money, help them with their bottom line or to continue what they're doing. But I think this program can be um, helpful. Currently, it's only in North Carolina, but the word on the street is it's coming to South Carolina pretty quick too. So, and then just giving you my experience, because before I was at Greenville Alliance, I worked for Dell Tech Homes, which is one of Greenville Alliance's builder members, um, also a panelized home manufacturing company. And there I worked on many different homes with this, um, I would say, high performance, all electric kind of goal. And I will echo what um, Jeff said. There's a lot of places that really make sense to put heat pump water heater in the southeast garages, basements. If you've got a really tall crawl space, potentially. Um, but I ended up working with a fair number of homes on slabs, believe it or not, even here in the mountains. And then you've got the question of, you know, can you find a way to put it in the living space? in a way that works out. So here's an example of one such home, high performance home. So, you know, this idea of a low HERS score, they um, had all electric, every other appliance and they wanted to go solar eventually, but they did have a home on a slab, partly for just, it made sense on their lot. And partly because they were trying to take advantage of passive solar design, you know, getting the south facing windows, having that thermal mass. So we had to think about where in their home to put that heat pump water heater. It also had no garage. So basically I've highlighted the mechanical room and it was right at that 700 foot kind of like borderline thing. And this was actually a stock plan that they took and modified. And I feel like a lot of builders will share this experience, but when clients modify it, they tend to want to make the mechanical space smaller, (laughs) not bigger. And so that's always a fight you have to have. And that's kind of what happened in this case. They were really trying to squeeze it. So what we decided to do to try and just make sure that the water heater was working well enough for them was we did put a louvered door on this door between kind of their kitchen area and the mechanical room. Um, and in this particular example, I'm not sure if that was the best choice because the homeowners were not happy with that situation. They definitely liked how efficient their house was, but they did complain specifically about the heat pump water heater. I thought it was too loud. So maybe maybe not having a louvered door would have made that less annoying to them like in the kitchen um made the laundry room colder than they like they actually tried to turn it off of heat pump mode and to electric only mode but they kept saying it switched back so that was one example of i think you gotta think through these designs and qualify your homeowners with care but fear not i have a more hopeful example um a very similar home same idea with all electric passive solar they ended up being on a slab um they actually were doing solar even as part of their install. So they were really on board with trying to be as efficient, all electric as they could. They also kind of took a stock plan and modified it. So here's the mechanical room. It's actually even smaller than that other one was, but it's kind of adjoining this other sort of mud roomy space. Um, So what we did there was again, we did a louver door. We actually put a couple of transfer grills in both between the laundry room and the mechanical room. And then even between the laundry room and the main room because that whole front half of the house was heated by a single ductless mini split. Um, so there wasn't direct heating in that room. And because that room was a little bit smaller, we we definitely you know wanted to qualify those homeowners. But those homeowners really liked it. They thought their house was super efficient. They actually went on and said, you know, I'm not bothered by this. I don't, you know, I'm fine with this room being a slightly different temperature than the rest of the house. I think it helped that it was further away from, you know, living areas. We did have to put in a recirculating heat pump or sorry, recirculating hot water pump to deal with the fact that that water heater was now really far away from most of the other water fixtures, but they actually liked that feature a lot too. So I think the lessons there would be um, in those kind of borderline situations where it's, you know, you have to find a mechanical room somewhere in the house to put it. It can be done, but you really got to qualify the homeowners with care. And I have used things like we now have a model home that's got a heat pump water heater so they can actually see it and hear it and determine what they think of it. I recorded a video of one and put it up on YouTube for homeowners to be able to hear it and think, okay, this is what I'm going to be hearing in my house. Am I okay with that? Some random other lessons learned. Um, Condensate. We had another example of if you're if you're putting it somewhere that's not on an outside wall, you might want to think about a floor drain. And we had a situation where we missed a floor drain and we had to put a condensate pump in and that's noisier than the water heater. So try to not have to do that is the lesson there. I think the other piece of the story with those two examples that I gave you too, is that every other, because especially they had heat pump, many split heat pumps in the house, those are really quiet. And so the fact that the water heater made noise was more of an issue. So I think it's more of a a homeowner um, discussion about that. And then just some other tidbits, um, it may be cheaper at big box stores, but have your plumber supply it because then they provide the labor warranty. And that's important because what I've seen is that if something goes wrong, that's not a really easy thing. Like the thermistor, they're going to recommend that you replace the whole water heater, and because no one's going to service service it, so it's better just to have a plumber um, carry that warranty, which a lot of them do if they get it from a supply house. And then, just like anything, as you've seen, there's there's intricacies to the design, so it's good to have an internal checklist um, in the design stage that you know they're not shrinking the mechanical room so much that then it becomes a problem. Even the rough end stage, you know, are you getting the louver door in if you need it? That kind of thing. And then final inspection stage. As builders know, it's like anything with building science. There's some subtle pieces to it that it's good to have internal processes in place to check for. Okay, that's my part.
1: Thanks so much, Liam. Um, Fantastic stuff, great. And we'll have all our panels, of course, for the Q&A. Juan, let's uh, hear from you next in, um, in San Antonio.
0: Hey. Hello to everyone. Juan Fernandez, CBF Homes in San Antonio, Texas. We're a small builder, uh, mainly in San Antonio and some other uh, small cities close to San Antonio. Uh, We are committed to building all of our homes to comply with the Zero Energy Ready Home Program from the Department of Energy. And we're very proud that we won in 2019 uh, the Home Innovation Awards. Uh, We specialize in infill development mainly uh closer to downtown san antonio uh also do a semi-custom and uh, some custom homes uh, and we try to do better design that's what we really pay a lot of attention in our projects to have a great design because i think that's the cheapest way to get all the energy efficiency and the the, the a long lasting house however as we're new new to uh, heat pump water heaters, I would like to share with you all about the mistakes that we had installing the first uh, heat pump water heaters. So uh, the ones that we installed, that we started installing, are the Bradford White. Uh, these are nice water heaters. Uh, the, the the features uh, we. Have been including in all of these uh, smart recirculating pumps that you can see there in the corner. Uh, the features are, as most of these heat pump water heaters, the heat pump, which is the only. It takes a little bit more time to recover uh, for for high demand the water, and the, the hybrid, which is efficient, and if you need uh, uh, partly working as electric, it will it will work at some times electric and sometimes as a heat pump, or electric only if you ha- need a lot of water hot, hot after you drain all the, all the heat pump. And vacation so that you can uh, just leave it like that uh, and, and it will keep the water at only 50 degrees and it will barely use any energy. Uh, and it's just for the recovery. But this is our first install. Uh, and here in Texas, we have, uh, Hard water, so we were lucky that we had uh, the, all of all the houses that we built are pre plumped for a water softener. So out of the six things that we basically needed to pay attention, we got two right out of the six. So we were able to. We got the two forty right. We got the the uh, clearance on top of the water heater uh, right a minimum eight inches. Because on top of the water here, there's, there's the fan. And so there's a, also a, a filter that you need to change uh, and clean actually. So you need some space. And, and as you can see, uh, the plumbers and we have, we work with a big subcontractor uh, plumbing company here in San Antonio. And these were one of the first that they had installed. So they learned with us a little bit of the details uh, to get uh, the heat pump water heaters uh, working. You can see that the expansion tank and also the plumbing on top blocks uh, the filter. So we needed to reconfigure that to be able to access the filter on top of it. Another thing was the condensation line. Uh, We installed all of these water heaters in the garage. So we were lucky that the uh, plumbing for the the, uh, right next to it uh, for the hard water, the water softener was right there. So we were able to run that plumbing close to it. We needed the 110 as well because we were installing the smart recirculating pump that we, at some point, thought it was part of the water heater. Uh, On the sides, on the back, actually, we were not clearing the seven inches minimum that this water heater had according to their installation uh, manual. So we had to move it as well. So all of these were the kind of the, part of the learning process that we went through on the first uh, heat pump water heaters. Some of the things that we learned is that they do sound like a refrigerator, so you 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 will hear it um, on the ones that we install. I'm pretty sure that uh, these are gonna be more efficient, more efficient, and 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 they will be quieter. Uh, however, now you need to pay attention on the location that we're, we're, you're installing. Here in Texas with the Texas heat, you can notice the when the water heaters are running because once you enter the garage, you can feel the, the garage cooler. So whenever they are operating, you can feel how it's cooling the area. Uh, this, the spacing is critical as everybody mentioned. So just don't, don't wanna bore you It's saying the same thing. But that's some of the things that we didn't know and that we had to change and adapt. But I mean, um, after all of these details, uh, we're very happy with this. And the clients are are more and more asking about the, the heat pump water heaters.
1: And that's that's all I have. Great, thanks so much, Juan. Really that's appreciate great. it. Um, Brian, do you have a, uh, an initial question to kick us off?
2: Well, uh there are a lot of really good questions in the chat i was in the Q&A, I was having trouble keeping up but we'll try to pick them off as best as we can if you don't answer your question today you know, might send us an email later and we'll try to cut, cover it but a couple here for you so Juan, you mentioned this um uh cooling that you can feel from the the water years and it's definitely true it's getting the space that it's in and jeff this may be a good question for you but um it, someone asked about whether the heat pump water heater will reduce the efficiency of the central heating systems in a way that needs to be considered when you're when you're thinking about these we talk about how efficient they are and they are they're amazing but is there some you know negative thing that you're experiencing with your central heating system because they're
4: cooling the spaces how, how do you answer that question Jeff so very very good observation and we found uh and we did a, a, an extensive study at uh, PNNL labs out in Richland Washington where we compared the the use of an electric resistance versus a heat pump in an all electric home and we moved the water heater around at different locations and there was a slight impact in the winter winter kind of on par during this the spring and fall and a benefit during the summer so when this was this findings were run by the regional technical forum they said Yep, the savings are holding true at about seventeen hundred kilowatt hours per year in the northwest for a water heater. Though so it's about a wash with with the, your central system, and the reason for that is there's a lot of energy from people living in the house, but also cooking, and the heat pump water heater is able to extract some of that uh, heat out of the moisture, as well as uh, balancing of the heat within uh, different parts of the to the house with insulation, and then the radiant heat that's coming in from the outside. So it, it's not a simple question, but it's, it, there is a simple answer is, yes, it does impact it, but not as much as people would think, and it's pretty on, pretty much on the modest side. If you're heating with a heat pump, you're just transferring it from one place to the next. Remember, heat pumps don't make heat, they transfer heat. So yeah. if, you're, if you're heating your home with an inverter-driven mini-split or something like that, it's going to be a, a very modest uh, penalty for pulling that heat from there, from the outside of the building.
2: The, I mean, it sounds like it, essentially it feels like the, the thank you, Jeff, that, it, that really the, the consideration is more about how you're going to experience that cooling that happens and whether that's, you know, so like a lot of you have commented on, on the designs of the house to make sure that that doesn't become a problem for the inhabitants. Um, that's more of an issue than the efficiency question um, because that that kind of works itself out. That's what
4: I'm hearing you say. That's That's right. And remember, these don't run 24 hours a day. They generally run uh, anywhere from two to four hours uh, after a a big use. And then then they turn off. You know, in my house, because I've got drain water heat recovery, uh, it runs less than 45 minutes because I harvest the heat from the shower,
1: wastewater drain that's coming down. Wow, I think that's another, uh, we got to get another webinar on that one, Jeff. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Uh, I've got, we've got a question from uh, James in the chat who says he's, in, and this is for, our, I think our builders and, and Jeff, feel free to comment as well. Um, he's an HVAC specialist and uh, does plumbing. How do we, he says, how do we remember that we need both HVAC and plumbing for heat pump water heaters? Now, do you, do you all agree that in your installations have you needed just a plumber or have you had to have HVAC folks as well? Um,
7: It's varied. Um, we've typically had plumbers install it. Um, there was an HVAC contractor in our area for a while that advertised that they would service them and install them. We were like, great. (laughs) Cause the service was a bit of a, a worry. Um, unfortunately they got out of the residential market. So I think in our particular market, which I would say is in a pretty serious labor shortage in all the trades. Um, It's typically been the plumbers that we've had more success with. I think I, where an example where you have to have both would be if you're doing one that you're ducting in some way. That's certainly a a challenge in coordination because typically you're going to have to have your HVAC contractor do the ducting. And so you're going to need to vet your HVAC contractor to see if that's something that they are willing to do, comfortable doing, you know, because the plumber is probably not going to want not going to do that part. So yes, yeah, sometimes it can be a, a collaborative effort, and obviously your electrician too, because they're going to be the ones wiring it up.
4: <laughs> Joe, I, I might point out that these are sealed systems. Uh, they are not. It's much like your refrigerator. You wouldn't ask for your heating and ventilation contractor to come in and work on your refrigerator, even though it's refrigerant. You end up taking that out and either servicing it outside of the home or bringing in a full replacement. So. I think plumbers are generally the people uh, who know how to handle this the best. They know how to handle the water coming in, the water going out, condensate, and then all the code related to uh, water and and pressure and check valves.
2: We're seeing here in the Portland area, there are a few of the HVAC um, contractors who are kind of specializing in electrification more broadly. And so they, they have employed plumbers in their teams to deal with... Um, HVAC water here, so they can kind of do a kind of complete sort of HVAC retrofit. But that's still pretty rare, I would say, Um, here, at least here, uh, most of the time it's the plumbers who are doing that work. Um, There was several of you mentioned recirculating um, the uh, hot water uh, pumps can maybe uh, there are a few questions just people want to know more about what that is. Leah, I think you had mentioned those. Can you just describe that for people and why? Yeah. So,
7: and that's actually a requirement, at least at the time of the zero energy ready home certification from the DOE, if the water heater is too far away from fixtures. What that does is that's a separate loop that can return hot water from far fixtures back to the water heater, and it's a pump that can pump water through that loop. Otherwise, if the water heater is too far away from your your fixture, you turn the water on, you wait, like you know, a very, very long time for hot water to get there, that wastes water, which is upsetting. And it also can waste energy. Um, And so a hot water recirculation loop or pump can be a way to basically circulate. You hit a button is the idea if you do it right. And that means it's demand controlled, not like controlled by a timer. You hit a button and engages the pump. It kind of like moves the hot water through this loop. And then you wait till the light comes on and then you turn the water on. It's hot is how it worked in that particular home. So it's a way to avoid wasting water while waiting for hot water to get to a fixture that's very far away which does, again does it, was relevant for go ahead does it reduce the the,
2: the lag between getting hot water in those far away places or more just about saving the energy
7: should be both i mean it saves it's the idea if it's done right it should save water and energy probably more water than energy but i think it depends on how it's set up there's a um definitely it depends on how it's controlled if it's, some of them will be controlled via timers or via even like sensors and those have been found to be not as saving on the energy as ones that are controlled by a demand, meaning like you hit a button when you want to turn it on and off.
0: I, I would like to mention, if I can, just uh, complementing what Leah just said, that also some of these have these, uh, uh, the recycling pumps are the, the smart uh, recirculating pumps. so. The first week they usually learn a little bit of your usage within the house. So they are out to program at what time to run so that they're not wasting energy. So they're not running all the time. So they they know that you usually shower at 6.30 a.m. So they will run a little bit before then and then maybe in the afternoon, according to your uh, and they out of program uh, based on your usage of the house.
1: Thank you. Jeff, do you want to any last word on the recirculating pubs?
4: Yeah, I, I think uh, Leah and Juan hit a lot of the really good points. I do want to point out that ones that run continuously can be the death of a heat pump water heater because they will not create. They will create a mixed tank, and water heaters don't like a mixed tank, and it will revert to heating with electric resistance. And you don't get the stratification. Plus, heat pumps like a temperature differential between the, the cold incoming water and the hot water going out. So, use an on-demand if possible. Uh, learning ones, people like Taiko, Grunfoss, and Armstrong are the brands to be looking to.
1: Fantastic. Um, Amy and Misaki, um, uh, so uh, two, two quick questions from you, for you. Uh, both. One, uh, folks are interested if Ichijo is in, uh, going to expand in, into other states from the northwest, and then two, maybe speak to, and we could uh, ask all our builders this question, to the brand of heat pump water heater you chose and, and anything that uh, particularly recommended that brand
5: question yes uh, likely south and uh, east <laughs> but we're in the northwest so that's easy <laughs> yeah the only place to go <laughs> so yes we are currently evaluating new locations for a branch office and it's going to be south uh, likely um, of where we are or so we've got a few options. Um, the heat pump water heaters we're using in Oregon, uh, A.O. Smith, correct? Yes. And yes. I think we were using the Bradford ones here. But we have been notified that we have to start using A.O. Smith because of some kind of uh, uh, facility fire or something like that. In their uh,
6: yeah, actually, before, <laughs> before we started using uh, heat pump water heater, uh, we had used uh, gas-on-demand uh, water heater. Uh, that was Takagi brand. And uh, and when we started building all-electric homes uh, two years ago, and at that time, they of Takagi. Uh, Takagi is essentially, the, I think, A.O. Smith. Uh, oh. he, he recommended us, uh, yeah, heat pump water heater. And uh, I found it uh, very energy efficient, so that's why we Chose, yeah, that brand. But uh, I think, yeah, either <laughs> any major brand
1: is fine, I think. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Thanks, Masaki. Uh, Leah or Juan?
7: I was gonna, I didn't ask before this presentation if it was okay to mention brands or not, so I didn't. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: we're brand neutral, but just curious for, for folks. Um, yeah.
7: In my totally anecdotal experience, the Ream ones were quieter. Um, but I, and I think their decibel ratings are actually slightly lower, but I think that's constantly changing as the new models come out. Um, and it's also for us always a question of what supply house has it when we need it, you know? So we've used A.O. Smith and Rheem and I think the Ream have just always seemed a little bit quieter.
2: Juan, did you have, have you had any experience with different, anything with different brands?
0: No, the all the ones that we've been installed are the Bradford, so we, we don't know, we we haven't tried any other brand. So um,
2: there were several questions about refrigerants, and um, you know, Jeff, this may be a question for you, but uh, unless any of you have experience with this, but you know, there are obviously there are some some makers that none of us we haven't spoken about these like Sanden who who are using CO two, but they they they, from my experience, they. They're awesome, but they can, they're quite a bit more expensive. So they tend to be not as well embraced as the other brands. But can you just t- talk to us a little bit about the, what's going on with refrigerants for these things? And obviously refrigerants are a big deal for heat pumps period, because obviously these refrigerants are have high global warming potential when they escape. Um, so it's a, always a concern, but can you tell us a little bit about what's going on in that space?
4: Sure. Uh, right now, 134A is the dominant one or a 410A, but the, and those do have high global warming potentials. Uh, We're gonna see a change, a convergence to other ones, lower global warming potential. And they may actually be in the uh, the flammable department, if you can believe it, they may be using propane as the refrigerant, but that's working its way through. There's also several other new ones developed by different manufacturers that will be drop-in replacements. Uh, one of the studies that uh, NIA and NRDC did was people said, well, we don't want to be using these because of the toxicity to the environment. The reality is if, if you ran your heat pump water heater for the life of it, which is 12 to 14 years, and vented it right at the end directly to the atmosphere, you would still have an improved uh, GWP uh, impact. So I wouldn't worry about that. People say, well, I'm going to wait until the CO2 systems are more cost-viable uh, I wouldn't do that either because you're just burning up more hydrocarbons yeah. either in generation or in uh, in use, direct use.
2: I think that's, that's great. I mean, I'm th- the other thing I just want to point out is, I mean, it's good that people are concerned and they're intelligent about these things. And it's great that we're making progress on, you know, better refrigerants. But r- remember that your refrigerator is a heat pump and you've right. probably had it in your home since you were little kids. And most people don't really even think about, you know, the refrigerants in your refrigerator, but it's the same issue. So I guess my point is, yes, this is an issue that the industry needs to deal with responsibly, but it's not something that as a consumer, you should be one bit worried about.
4: Uh, and they are working on it, I will say they're working on it, Brian. They're, they're worried that they and they want to be on the right side of history. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Not to mention cars, uh, you, know, have yes. refrigerants, you know, so lots, of, lots of things that we don't uh, typically think about. Um, one uh, there's a question that asked uh, you know in your not to do picture it showed the heat pump water heater raised off the floor. Um, someone says this is not required as it would be for gas water heater, but please confirm that.
0: We raise it. I mean, we build it as as you saw as what we did for the type of water heaters. So we build a bench exactly the same. Uh, however, I don't think it's needed to have it raised.
4: So, so, Joe, I, I'll comment on this. In certain jurisdictions, it is required. They don't, they don't discriminate whether it's a, a gas, or electric, or a heat pump. They think that there's a spark ignition source in there, and that's why they have to raise it. We've changed that in the state of Oregon, uh, and other states are, are falling in line, because all electric and all heat pump water heaters do not have any ignition source below uh, 18 inches, yeah, and it's it's because of the the pooling effect in garages and natural gas uh, ignition sources. Uh,
2: there was another question about the the 110 volt water heaters, uh, heat pump water heaters that are some people have heard about that are that are some manufacturers are are in the process of starting to roll out right now. But in the context of new construction, do any of the builders here feel like there would be any reason to use a 110 versus a 240 volt? Uh, Heat pump water
4: heater. Can can I comment on this? I'm sorry to monopolize. Uh, I I would discourage anybody. uh, If you're going to be pulling wire, just pull a two forty volt circuit. It's the cost of copper is is insignificant. The amount of labor is the same, and just have the robustness of either a thirty amp or now some of the new fifteen amp services. Leah, you were about to say something. Do you really agree with that?
7: yeah i just i feel like on the order of builders concerns for getting heat pump water heaters right the voltage isn't one of them like that's an easy thing because we're already used to sort of dealing with certain appliances being
2: 240
7: yeah i the only exception that i can think of would be and but the amps may be more important than i had a homeowner who was trying to be totally off grid and they were trying to do all electric um and they did specify a water heater with a lower amperage, but that again, wasn't the, vo- you know, like that guy gets complicated. So yeah. I feel like in general, builders are pretty used to dealing with 240.
2: Yeah, it seems like those are really in general, better solution for retrofits, it sounds like. Yeah,
7: yeah.
1: Um, so we, we we heard a little bit about locations on where do, um, to install heat pump water heaters in new construction, Ichijo is doing it in, in garages. And, and Leo, you talked a little bit about um, utility closets. Some folks are asking about basements and the cooling effect uh, of basements. Have any of the builders, you know, looked into installing the heat properties in basements? And Jeff, I know you'll you'll have um, uh, a little bit to say, but uh, as, first let's open up the builders and see if there's anyone who's installed in basements uh, yet. And then let's turn to Jeff and see what, uh, what his thoughts are on the cooling effect.
7: Definitely. Um, if we've got a basement, which for us, because we were accustomed, just totally depended upon the client and the the site. But that would probably be the stronger recommendation if possible. And then the other place in the Southeast where it comes up is crawl spaces because a lot of homes in the Southeast only have crawl spaces. Heap waters are unfortunately tall. So if you don't have a tall enough crawl space, then you can't fit it. I think that's a market challenge for the Southeast. But I live in a mountainous region. So sometimes we have super tall crawl spaces and I've seen them in like condition crawls. Um, and they do offer some awesome extra dehumidification in that scenario.
1: Great, yeah. Jeff, do anything else? Anyone else have uh, experience
2: with them in basements? Juan, have you have you done anything with basements? No,
0: as also in the South, there are barely any basements in Texas, mm-hmm. so we have not installed any in basements or okay. cold spaces, neither.
2: Amy, are you, are you guys building basements in your
6: homes? We do,
5: but we don't install any systems yeah. like that do we masa i mean
6: no yeah, yeah. <laughs> we haven't in
5: yeah. i think the access and i don't know that's just where we do it
1: <laughs> yeah um jeff any any last thoughts on the cooling oh, potential for a basement?
4: We, we think that, that basements are a great location. I mean, I, the ideal first one would be the garage. The next one would be the basement and, I, and the rank order that I provided in my slide deck. And then uh, laundry rooms, mechanical rooms, and then start going into more, uh, more challenging installs would, would be the, the way to go. But if you can put it in a garage, that's the best. Basements work fine. We've done tons of studies. We've monitored over 120 heat pump water heaters and a lot of them were in basements and they performed just great. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, we I'll have an add- unconditioned basement and it's been great down there. And the dehumidification thing, although that's not a really a big concern in the Northwest, um, in basements it can be. And we have definitely noticed that it's helped keep our basement just less humid and you know, less problems with mold and mildew and that sort of thing. And I would imagine in humid areas, it could be a really uh, real benefit
1: Absolutely. I'll just say I finished a tour of the, I got to see the folks in Maine, which has the highest per capita installation of heat pump water heaters. And like someone was just putting in the chat in the Northeast heat pump water or water heaters are always in the basement. So it's a perfect spot. And that dehumidification is a huge bonus. Um, great, Brian, do we have a, a garden?
5: I'd say, what do you say? Maybe 10% have basements? Masa, uh We don't we don't build as many basements here, I guess.
1: I think you're muted, Masa. Uh, yes, yeah. We don't
6: we don't build so many <laughs> basement homes. But ten
1: percent, maybe this. Yeah. Great, Brian. Do we have uh, maybe one last question?
4: Um, I
2: I don't know. Do you have any on your list there, Joe?
1: There are a lot of questions that we'll try to gather these I think we've and covered examples. most of them, but,
2: um, yeah. there was someone, yeah. someone talking about surge, um, or asking about the, is there a, could there be an issue with surge? If you particularly, if you're, if you're looking for, if you have a battery backup situation, is appliance current surge a factor
4: when with heat pump, water heaters? Uh, I would say that inrush currents with this is, is trivial. And there was also another question I saw about phantom loads. There's a a minor background load of the electronics that are used that monitor, but it's on the order of uh, less than, you know, a standby losses on a TV. It's minimal. So I would say, don't worry about the inrush. If you're using uh, a heat pump water heater, you will see 450 to maybe 500 watts initially but then that'll settle down to 350 to 425
2: yeah and one thing we haven't talked a lot about is that you know most of these are are wi-fi um compatible i know the one that we have we actually use that feature pretty regularly because it's pretty it's pretty nice when you're like you're in your car and you're away somewhere and you go oh shoot i forgot to turn my water heater down because we're going to be out of the house for 10 days you just do it right on your phone um, are you Do you see the builders, do you see that that kind of connectivity like that is attractive to to homeowners? I mean, is that something that's becoming kind of an expectation or is it something they just sort of like, whatever, we don't really care about that?
7: I think that's so dependent on the customer. I think people fall into multiple buckets on that. Yeah, there's definitely some people who think that's awesome. Uh, I I have one memorable client who was like, you got to wire my house for the future. It's like, what does that mean? Whereas some people, you know, are going to be technical, like afraid of the troubleshooting technical aspects of that. I think builders are somewhat afraid of the technical troubleshooting aspects of that. Like they don't want to be the IT guy for their homeowner like a year later when it doesn't work. I think there's that kind of challenge to it. But yeah, I think some homeowners would would find that really helpful.
1: Um, I I did find one more juicy question that uh, I'll I'll put to builders and Jeff. uh, the uh, Someone's asking about radiant floor heating and heat pump water heaters. I'll say that I, I put a heat pump water heater in my, my test garage uh, unit that we converted to an apartment um, and it's got a radiant floor heating system. Um, and it's it's worked for a couple of years. I'm not sure how much it's going into the electric resistance backup and becoming less efficient. Um, maybe Jeff, could you comment on using heat pump water heaters and radiant floor and then the builders, see if any of the builders are thinking about installing.
4: Yeah, we Nia studied a lot of this in both the, the sandin and, and other other products. I would be cautious with doing that because you're again you're sending out warm water or sending out hot water, coming bringing back warm water. Heat pumps don't like that, so I would discourage that kind of a utilization for it. I would get a dedicated heat pump that is going to be providing that kind of work um, domestic. Heat pump water heaters right now currently sold by the three major manufacturers Uh, i would not put them in that application
2: i put a link in the uh, questions about there's a great guide the uh, redwood energy um, pocket guide we we use this a lot i will put it in the chat Um, there's oftentimes when i have a question about these kind of more esoteric applications This is the first place I go Redwood energy is really familiar with a lot of these and put together this compendium and they do have a section on radiant floor heating, I believe in this guide I put it in the chat. Um, You can check that out if you're interested but there's a lot of things in there to to study if you're looking at these. uh, uh, specific applications. Well, Great. great Joe um. Should we wrap things up? Oh, I I did want to ask one more thing, because the other thing we haven't talked about, and I know, Jeff, this is a hot topic for you. Maybe we'll just uh, um, do do we want to touch on demand response here really quick, just as a as a one last thing before we go. I know, you know, most people, homeowners may not be thinking about this as really an an essential need. But um, Joe, Jeff, can you just touch on why demand response can be could be such a really important aspect of these things going forward for
4: Sure. So this is an area that I work on uh, a lot. Um, right now people think about storage uh, and renewables. They think of solar panels and batteries. The reality is a, a heat pump water heater is a far more cost-effective solution for storing energy, far more flexible in that you can heat that water up during renewable periods or low congestion periods of, of grid time, and then ride through the peak periods of early morning and early evening. So all the water heaters should, uh, should be coming with connectable ports in them uh, coming forward it's part of our requirements with uh, uh, the Northwest Energy Efficiency Alliance, but you're gonna see this for a voluntary standard with Energy Star and uh, DOE is probably gonna be moving that way. As we become more reliable on renewables, we need more storage. Batteries are great, but water heaters are even better. And as I often say, heat pump water heaters are permanent demand response and then connectable is shiftable demand response. So yeah. it's, it's a great product.
1: Fantastic. Well, uh, we've gone over like any good webinar will do. Um, huge thanks to our panelists, Juan, Leah, Jeff, Masaki, and Amy for their incredible presentations. We'll send out uh, slides in partnership with Nancy uh, and Erin at EBA um, afterwards and a recording to the video. Um, we wanna say thank you so much to Eva for for hosting us. Um, Nancy, any any uh, last uh, thoughts from you? No, I next? had
3: quite a few questions on where it will be posted. We'll have it up on Eva's YouTube page tomorrow as well as in our Eva Academy. So um, I've sent a few people the link but you can find it on our website, eva.org.
1: Fantastic, great. You. And Brian, uh, any last thoughts?
2: Well, thank you all to the panelists and thank you all uh, for tuning in today. I hope that was helpful. And if you, I want to wish you all good luck on your electrification projects and um, all the you builders out there who might be tuning in. I hope this helps give you confidence to embrace this really exciting new technology. And good luck with all your electrification projects.
1: Thanks, everybody. Thank you.